1: You want to live an inspired and fulfilling life? Maybe there are a few things that you need to get you there. Welcome to What Matters with your host, Mary Beth Lodge. In today's world of distractions, we can get overwhelmed with day to day responsibilities that keep us busy, frustrated, and confused. With an emphasis on the power of the mind and drawing on the fields of personal health, education, neuroscience, business, and spirituality, We'll discuss practical strategies to help you stay focused on your priorities, choices, and results. Now, here is Mary Beth Lodge.
2: Good morning. How are you today? Thank you for joining me today on What Matters. Yep, today I'm going to challenge you to make a difference. Can you do that? Can you find a way to make a positive difference in your world today? Can you make a change within yourself? A change that will carry ripples of positive change into the lives of those around you and well beyond. Okay. This is an hour for you. This is an hour to spend the time listening. You created the world you live in and how can you change the things that you want to change? How does the information today apply to you? Not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent or your coworker, just you. Yeah, you can share information with other people, but ultimately, you are the only person that you can really change. And you are the person you are responsible for. You are the person that can truly make a difference. And I know you're busy. We're all busy. We lead very busy lives. But sometimes, you know, busy just keeps you distracted. Distractions lead you away from your goals. Are you taking for granted the people in your life and the actions that you take that are most important to you? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? And what are the choices that you make in your world? When you decide how to spend your time, do you consider the impact that that decision will make? How do you touch the lives of the people that you meet? Do you create sunshine wherever you are? Okay, so let's start this morning by making our own sunshine. What are you grateful for today? Now, I woke up this morning, and I'm not adjusting well to this time frame, so mm, I'm lazy getting up in the mornings, and I just loved the feeling of my warm flannel sheets. I was so grateful for that this morning. It just gave me a sense of luxury for just a moment before I jumped out of bed and ran into my day, of course and we've had a beautiful dusting of snow where I am. It's gorgeous. Now I know there are other parts of the country that don't have snow where it's nice and warm and I'll bet you're grateful for that too. So what are you grateful for today? You know, we have a guest this morning that probably can speak volumes about gratitude. Suzanne Ruff is of Mooresville, North Carolina and comes from a family that has been plagued by kidney disease for generations. In her lifetime, she has lost her mother, several aunts and uncles, and cousins to polycystic kidney disease, the most common of all life-threatening genetic diseases. Both of her sisters inherited the disease. She did not. When her younger sister fell ill shortly after their mother's death in 2003, Suzanne decided to do something about it. She'd always been afraid of doctors and needles, but says with God's help, she found the courage to save Joanne's life by donating a kidney. In the months leading up to the surgery, which took place on October 19, 2004, Suzanne spent a lot of time journaling and just recently published a book based on her notes and memories. Her hope is that the reluctant donor will find its way into the hands of others who are faced with it, facing a difficult life and death decision and help them find the courage they need to get through it. Her family has been active with the Polycystic Kidney Disease Foundation since its founding days in 1982. The PKD Foundation is a source of information for newly diagnosed patients with PKD and helps fund research to find a cure. Suzanne is a member of the National Kidney Foundation's Living Donor Council Executive Committee. She's currently working as a freelance writer for the Mooresville News and the Charlotte Observer. A story she wrote, Lost and Found, was published in February 2011 in the the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Grieving and Recovery. Suzanne and her husband, Bill, live in Mooresville, North Carolina. They have two daughters, Rachel and Colette. And her North Carolina license plate reads, Kidney Donor. I love it. Good morning, Suzanne.
0: Good morning, Mary Beth. I'm delighted to be here.
2: Good. Well, I just finished your book last night. I stayed up late so that I could finish the last chapters because I knew that was the most important part. <laughs> to see if i made it or not (laughs) well you know i knew that you did i mean all of all of the releases tell us that you did indeed make it but i the story of how you did it was just incredible so i thoroughly enjoyed the book
0: thank you for reading it Mm -hmm.
2: so uh, let's back up um and uh, i guess we start with you know how how this happens how what is pkd how does this happen to a, a whole family like this? Well, I, I
0: love that you asked what is PKD because that is why I wrote the book. I was so uh, frustrated and tired of people asking me PK what? And it is, when you said it was um, the most common genetic disease, I don't think people catch that because if you stop and think, well, what is a, gen- a genetic disease? And the most common ones are Down syndrome, cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy, And sickle cell anemia, hemophilia, and Huntington disease. PKD is more common than those diseases combined, and yet I think most people have heard of the other diseases and not of PKD. And so that's why I wanted to write the book. But poly means many. So many multiple cysts grow of different sizes on both kidneys, and the cysts are... Um, fluid filled and they're benign but they eventually choke out and um, cause the kidneys to fail and there is no cure the only treatment is dialysis or a transplant
2: you know there's um, in the book um, there's a beautiful color picture of a diseased kidney and it is lying next to a very healthy normal kidney and the size is just um, almost unbelievable. It's, well, it's called the ugly kidney photo. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I believe that, but, you know, I mean, it's hard to even imagine um, what's happening in that kidney, that it's it's so huge in comparison to the size of a normal kidney, which a, a normal kidney is the size of, of your fist, you know, it's Correct. only it's only supposed to be that tiny little thing and you know judging by the picture I don't know six times the size I mean it's Uh,
0: it's um, a PKD kidney can grow to be the size of an NFL football so if you picture that and it versus a fist your fist a 10 ounce kidney a normal kidney and I have a sister well both sisters have PKD but one of my sisters, the doctors have told us that each of her PKD kidneys weighs about 14 pounds each, and many people don't understand that that um, she still has her, her diseased kidneys even though she received a transplant 18 years ago. Um, they don't remove the PKD kidneys unless they're so huge they're pushing against other organs. And a lot of times the people who have PKD and are have a complete kidney failure like my other sister did they're, and was in critical condition, they're too ill to, be, to withstand the operation to remove two diseased kidneys and receive a new kidney. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's a picture of my sisters and I that says um, three sisters, seven kidneys among them. And they each have three, and now I only have one. So mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. they are huge. Uh, a PKD
2: kidney can become enormous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can you kind of describe for us um, what happens in, in terms of progression? Like um, it, it seemed that the description that, that you gave in the book was that you don't know that the kidney is diseased. You might live a normal life for quite some time, and then yes, it
0: usually doesn't. Uh, well, there's two forms of PKD: AD PKD and AR PKD, dominant and recessive. Our family inherited the dominant form, and it usually doesn't strike till you're in midlife. And I think sometimes that's t- the other reason why people don't know what it is is because. There's no famous person or movie star with the disease. And then because it hits in midlife, um, I don't know for sure if that's true. But high blood pressure is is, um, a real big clue. If your blood pressure keeps up, some people suffer from a lot of pain in the back and abdomen from um, the PKD kidneys, or they have blood in the urine. But you're right. I remember a genetic doctor telling my husband and I when we were first married, and this goes back, we'll, we'll be married almost 40, well, 40 years in May, and <laughs> they told us not to have children. And at the time, um, if we had listened to them, we we would have been, I don't have PKD. So at the time we were told, I, I think genetics have made so much progress that it it's um, known now that if you're, mother or father has PKD, you have a 50% chance of inheriting it. So at the time, I, I w- would have not had children if I had listened to them. But my sister does have children, so they have a 50%
2: chance of inheriting the disease. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I think you mentioned that, you know, medical science has come a long way. I think 40 years ago, the genetic testing wasn't as clear. Is that right? Oh,
0: Right. It's amazing in my lifetime and how far we've advanced. And I think I want someone who's diagnosed today to, to see read and see my family's stories and realize that it, they have paved the way to where we are today. To And we have a family that has a great sense of humor, and we're Irish Catholic, and we're from the south side of Chicago, and we... Have a great faith in in God, and all of that helped us get and all of their courage helped us to get to where we are today in the treatment of pkd
2: because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. your family really was kind of at the forefront not only of the you know the the monies the the raising of the funds but also the research well, I
0: think um, I had some phenomenal uncles, I had an incredible aunt, and they were all. Um, as much as they battled the disease themselves, they also, it, with great um, courage, tried to help others who were affected by kidney disease. And the, I mean, every part of our body is so miraculous. It's and yet I sometimes the little kidneys. Are forgotten and tomorrow is World Kidney Day, so this is a great day to be talking about <laughs> how precious they are.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think that was um, that was part of our plan was to do this as close to World Kidney Day as possible, um, but also because we want to raise awareness that you know this this isn't just something that remotely happens to a few people. Um, well, it's twelve and a half million people worldwide have PKD.
0: So you're right my family's story is every PKD family story that's what i always say mm-hmm. and i just was so frustrated that i i hoped maybe a, a medical researcher would be listening and would or would read the book and say mm, i think i'll get up this morning and go to work and try to find a cure for
2: PKD <laughs> That would be really nice. Let's see if we can get that.
0: <laughs> well, especially because if you put a face to the people who are suffering, sometimes you can see the impact it has on families. And it, it's it's a tremendous impact on, on all of us. I, I, there's all... A psychological aspect of having a genetic de- disease in your family that many people don't understand. It's it's like an elephant in the room. It, it's you look at each other and you wonder, do you have it? Do I have it? Does he have it? And it's uh, it it overshadows your whole life. hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And probably every decision.
0: Very much so. I, I remember when they told us not to have children. Um, I remember my mother saying, um, well, she said, I've had 50 good years of life because it didn't strike my mother until she was 50 years old. Mm -hmm. And she said, who's to say that 50 years of good living isn't worth it? Now, my sister, she was in her early 30s when she started developing kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So it's different in everyone. But my mother kept saying, who's to say, you know, I wouldn't give up my –
2: first 50 years for anything right right and um, and I know um, the genetic the early genetic testing that wasn't wasn't always so predictable but also that um, in your family it wasn't shared oh that was
0: that's the um, the intrigue in in the book because families, all families squabble, all families have secrets. And when my mother's family realized that the disease was hereditary, they had us all tested. So four of us went to be tested to see if we had PKD. Our mother was included. And when the test results were back, they sat us down and said, we were so lucky and so blessed because none of us had PKD when, in fact, three out of four of us had PKD. So they lied, and we were devastated by the lie later. But we also understand that they were trying to protect us. I think they were probably so stunned that they didn't know how to handle the news, and they thought they were doing the best thing Um by, they thought we were too young to know, and my father was so worried we would be um, uninsurable.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, you just talked about kind of that shadow or that that landmine that maybe they didn't want you to live live in that shadow. Maybe they wanted you just to live your life. I think my mother did. She didn't want people to look at
0: uh, any of us. And one, and, and feel sorry for us. Or to, she definitely didn't want someone to ask her over and over again, how, how are you feeling? Because my mother was one of the ones that did have the disease and kept that secret for so many years. And it, it, until the disease, um, struck her and she collapsed. And that's exactly what happened to my sister. My sister and my mother's, um, um. The battle with PKD was almost identical. Mm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was a very sudden onset when it happened.
0: Well, I think when you talk to each of them, or they were always said they were in denial. But I had um, an aunt who um, was struck in her early 30s, which is exactly how my other sister was. So each one was different, and I think that they all thought that... Um, you know, their case, I, I guess it's just natural to be in denial. Sometimes denial is a good thing. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> there is a purpose for denial. It keeps <laughs> us from the things that are just not, we're not ready to cope with. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have
0: a cousin who was in his 60s before his kidneys failed. So each one is different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: hmm
2: Well, uh, the, you know, that story of, of how your family It just was impacted, the different patterns of of how the disease manifested, but still, overall, how your family was was impacted. And yet, you know, the description of your family in the book is just incredible. And so we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I really want to talk about kind of the bonding that happened within your family sort of because of the illness. I'd love to. Okay. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned.
1: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now back to What Matters.
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Suzanne Ruff. She's the author of the book, The Reluctant Donor, and it, it chronicles the her family's story of their challenges with PKD, polycystic kidney disease, which is a genetic illness. Um, and Suzanne, you, you're talking with us about kind of the incidents and the impact on your family, but, uh, you know, I'd like to go a little bit more into those stories. Um, you're your ancestors, your, your whole family impacted by this illness. And yet such incredible strength, um, within that family. Well, I always like to say
0: that I was destined to be a kidney donor before I was born because my grandmother had developed, um, PKD in the 1940s before I was born. And she was, um, Known for her gracious uh, dinner parties and her entertaining and her hostess abilities, and when the doctors told her there was nothing more they could do for her and her failing kidneys, she um, went home and told my grandfather she wanted to recarpet the house so it looked nice for her funeral. <laughs> so it was. I come from an incredibly strong uh, group of people. I never thought in a million years I was like any of them and I still don't because that's why it's called the reluctant donor. I went into it kicking and screaming but my, my grandmother had six children and our mother was the youngest of the six children and when she, my grandmother did die it was about three months after the doctor said there was nothing more they could do for her. She was surrounded by her family in the hospital and Um, When she died, my mother said that she sat up in bed and said, Here I am, Lord, and Uh laid back on the pillow and died. And Uh so my mother was a teenager. And then out of those six children, five of the six developed the same disease. So one by one, they all faced the disease. And they were all there to support each other. They were phenomenal. And I'll never forget my mother was um, the youngest, so she was the last one. And one day I went to visit her on dialysis. And you have to remember that dialysis wasn't available for her oldest sister. And then her other, her two brothers had to, had to go before committees to see if they were psychologically able to go on dialysis. And it's hard for people to understand because there's dialysis centers everywhere now.
2: That I don't and, think that's even comprehensible to us right now, you know, because I it don't, is so I, I, I don't, available. You're
0: right. I don't want anybody to forget that. And my mother was on the dialysis machine one day, and I stopped in to visit her, and she said to me, "Oh, I'm so lucky, Susie. I'm the luckiest um, person in the world." And I'm looking at her, and she's attached to this machine that's keeping her alive. And that was how my mother looked at life, and she said. With the death of each of my brothers and sisters, medical science learned something to save me. And she said, dialysis is keeping me alive now so I could see my grandchildren grow up.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it and, was amazing. Yes, yes. <laughs> that yes. And, and perhaps that attitude, too, contributed because she lived a long time with the well, illness. Well, none of us would ever
0: have... Dreamed that she, when she first became ill, what, that she would survive 10 years of dialysis and then go on the waiting list for a transplant, which is my other passion is to promote organ donation, not, not a living don- donor, but to, in the event of a sudden or unexpected death. And my mother did receive a transplant after being on the waiting list for two years and she, received it on St. Patrick's Day in the city of Chicago where they dye the river green (laughs) and we're Irish Catholic and if you don't think that was a miracle my mother said you're crazy
2: (laughs) well those were certainly um, good pieces to fall into place I'm Mm -hmm. sure that was so encouraging for her oh
0: she became an organ donor leprechaun after that she,
2: would,
0: I'll bet. <laughs> she dressed up from head to toe and she had blinking lights and she would point, she had a cane with that was covered in shamrocks and she would point it at anyone and say, You know, are you an organ donor? Um, it's the greatest thing you can do for your fellow man in the event of a sudden or unexpected death. So she said talk- he was the first, her donor was the first person she wanted to meet when she went to heaven. She always said, to
1: thank
2: him. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about just what that means um, to, to receive um, an organ, a, not only a kidney, but just um, I guess I'm thinking about kind of the the last chapter in I think it's the last chapter in the book where you talked about the games and and the, all of the athletes having been an organ donor. Um, what I can't even fathom I suppose for myself what does that mean when you're on a waiting list and the call comes Well it's
0: it's for for the family of a loved one it's incredible joy to be to re, but then there's also sorrow mixed in because you know someone has died and you know I've experienced it now twice with my sister needing a transplant and receiving one in my mother and there's there's just so many mixed emotions because you know that someone gave the ultimate gift and in their greatest sorrow they reached out to someone else and but the transplant games that you're referring to are just the most amazing event I've ever attended because if if you wake up every day like you mentioned earlier and had a moment of gratitude when you see a tr- a transplanted patient competing and the reason they do the games is to show that transplantation works and to show the joy in all of us who ha- are in the transplant world to be alive it's my husband always says that Every juvenile delinquent in the nation should come to see these games because it, it it centers you. It it just makes you so grateful to be alive. And then the side effect of an unexpected benefit and side effect of the transplant games is donor families have attended the games and have become a big part of it. And they get they receive comfort knowing that they're loved one lives on some in the in the last few years more and more recipients and donors do um, eventually meet and talk some donors never want to talk to the recipient but in many cases they do so it's just one of the most beautiful events i've ever attended in my life hmm. to it's- see someone receive a medal of in a sporting event, and look at up in heaven, and and send a a prayer up there or a thank you while tears are streaming down their face as they the medals placed around their neck. Oh, you can't. You, there's not a dry eye in the stadium. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: hmm And you your experience becoming a donor was. Um, I, I, as a reader of the book, the comedy was wonderful. I know that that was not your experience. You did not see it as um, as a humorous thing while you were in it. Oh, I was terrified.
0: I was so, so frightened. I I don't do well in those medical settings or and I'm very squeamish and, and I don't think anybody wants a needle coming at them or a test done, no one likes to be in the hospital and I was just, there was not, not enough data for me to read to see what my life would be like after I donated and what kind of complications that I would have or could have and so and I'm a natural born warrior so so i I went into it kicking and screaming, but i I also the flip side of it was I knew that I was meant to do what I was doing, and I would never have been able to do it ever without the amazing family that I come from
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you you do agree your husband is going to husband heaven, right. <laughs>
0: Well, his name is Bill, and he has been nicknamed St. William, and people write to the website asking where they can find a husband like he is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you know, he used a wonderful technique with you, um, instinctively, no doubt, but, you know, the kind of the delaying. You'd, you'd get yourself wound up, and you'd be, you know, just all over the place and couldn't calm down, and he would simply say, you don't have to give her your kidney today. <laughs> exactly.
0: He's a rock, and he would keep me, he just, you know, it's it's a family affair. The whole family is involved, and, and I am so blessed to have so much, uh, such support. Uh, both of my daughters, I, I can't say enough about it. And my sister Joanne, who I gave the kidney to, always said she realizes that it was a huge decision for us as a family. And She never forgot that. And, but my husband, I, it was hysterical. I would say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he would, I'd sit straight up in bed and he'd pat me on the back and say, oh, nothing to worry about tonight. You don't have to give anybody a kidney in the middle of the night. (laughs) You don't have to give anybody a kidney tomorrow either. All you have to do is go to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I would never have made it without him.
2: Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I, I come from a, a background in the medical world. So all of this stuff for me is, is not nearly as frightening as for you, but I also am a hypnotist. So I'm thinking, gosh, Suzanne, you just needed a hypnotist. You really, you know, you could have, <laughs> you, you could have been so much more comfortable in, in the months preparing because there's so many things you could have done to settle yourself. But, you know, I think, um, I think instinctively, though, your husband was doing that, and that he was kind of bringing you into a mindful place. Today, you just have to go to work. Today, you don't have to make any decisions. You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I do. I did have a nurse read the book, who said that she it changed her way of nursing because she said I, I took a step back and realized that there are a lot of people like you out there, and maybe I was overlooking them. But I do have a sentence in my book,
2: God Bless Nurses, because I think they're the backbone of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you you did, I mean, your descriptions, you had some wonderful nurses who really got it, who really looked at you and understood um, how um, anxious you were and just let you be in that and just stayed calm with you and let you kind of have your time to get yourself together. And, and you did wonderfully.
0: I did it because of that faith that, that my mother passed on down to me. I, I really know that that's what got me through it. And, and I, I said it before, I would never have been able to do that if I didn't know exactly what my sister faced it's easy to think someone's on dialysis to think, oh, isn't it great? You know, they're okay. They're on dialysis. It's a tough life. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, even though a kidney transplant is, we have a friend with PKD who said it's just a Band-Aid because you still have the disease
2: of PKD. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's and- a great Band-Aid, let me tell you.
2: Well, it's a Band-Aid that certainly, if there is no... Alternative, if there is no organ to replace that diseased kidney with, uh, dialysis certainly is is what extends one's life. I mean, oh, it's
0: a great, uh, it's, well, I just go back in my book and read about um, my aunt, Sister Mike. There was no, n- not enough dialysis machines. And mm-hmm. she died at age 45.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think of her almost daily.
2: Mm-hmm. She
0: just was a phenomenal person. Mm
2: hmm and it, and again i think we can't even comprehend uh, what that means to, that there weren't enough machines that the machines weren't um they they weren't even not only accessible but they almost weren't usable i mean what what your uncles went through in order to have dialysis you know oh. they, they had they had to purchase their own they, their wives had to learn how to hook them up i mean <laughs> you can't this? even comprehend that.
0: I know, and my I wanted my aunts to be able. Both aunts are still living. One is ninety-three, and one is turning ninety. And they're when I think of the courage of them and the 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 grit that they had to go out and find a way to keep their husbands alive. I Can you imagine? There's there's dialysis everywhere now, and and there's more people on dialysis than ever, and You'll get my Irish up if you start talk, talking to me about um, the frustration I have with um, there's a bill in the in the Congress right now for the medication that a transplant patient needs to take and um, there's if they don't take their medicine and their medicine is exorbitantly expensive then they can lose their transplanted um, organ and yet. That the bill was written when a transplant only lasts two to three years, and now, I mean, my sister is 18 years post-transplant, and so if you lose that transplant, then you go back on dialysis, which is covered by Medicare, which is more expensive than the medication. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it's just, and then if you get another transplant, that costs even more. So there's not a there's just so much work to be done and to even though we're so far and so advanced and so blessed it, there's just have to keep staying aware of what needs to be done and, and use common sense and and that's I, I honestly believe that's what why i was spared not having pkd
2: mhm mhm well you are just a phenomenal spokesperson and the book really does um, allow people to kind of comprehend some of the things that we, we really can't imagine in our present healthcare world. So, you know, you did a wonderful job of, of describing some of the early challenges and the foundation for where we are today that people have accessible dialysis because of, in, you know, in this case, because of your family members who were the pioneers in dialysis, who, you know, left their bodies to be studied. And, and there's you know.
0: many like them out there there's many PKD families that have the same story and i hope that 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 i always say my story is their story that's and right I, yes it's 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 um i hope that it generates discussion and then i really hope that people will who who will consider organ donation or signing up to be an organ donor Mm-hmm. will understand what it means to families like mine.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the, the book for just a minute. The the title is called The Reluctant Donor. And uh, let's tell people how they can get that book. Well, it's
0: available on my website. Um, there's a, a um, link to just buy the book. And there's all the... It's at, available at Amazon and through my publisher. And it's an e-book. And it's a great mm-hmm. book club discussion book. And there's down questions to download on the website wow okay i've had lively book clubs uh because (laughs) many people don't believe in organ donation so it can be it's a great it's a fun book too even though it's about disease i i I like that you mentioned the humor because a lot of people don't want to read it but it's really a love story and a story about families and the struggles we all
2: face Yes. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned.
1: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now back to What Matters.
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest has been Suzanne Ruff. She's the author of The Reluctant Donor, and it's a, a book that she's written specifically to um, educate all of the rest of us about polycystic kidney disease, um, the impact that it had on her family, and the impact that it has on so many families. Uh, Suzanne, the book itself has, uh, it really was comical in many ways. Serious, yes, um, you know, just amazing in terms of the strength within your family, but you know there's also this this kind of line of of humor that I recognize as it was a way to cope it was a way to um, to kind of lift that cloud of a genetic disease definitely you have to have a
0: sense of humor
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. my mother
0: was my mother used to. I would see her in tremendous pain. She had so many surgeries, and she was, um, I I think she would like if someone thought of her as a tough old broad, because she had a great sense of humor. She was almost irreverent in her faith, but her faith was ironclad, and sometimes when people would come to visit her after a a really, she was in the hospital one time for, for five weeks, and she had uh snapped her quad muscles and I can't imagine the pain and she was bedridden and she had to still go on dialysis and I remember when someone would come to visit her she would ha- have me fix her hair or something and she'd say okay it's showtime and she just <laughs> she just would I she just kept saying to me people don't want to hear all my woes but she had many bad days but she was uh, never she just had the most incredible strength and I, I miss her. <laughs> I missed, I'm, she was, died right before my journey began and <clears throat> I'm getting all choked up. Can you, I can't believe it. Probably cause it's around St. Patrick's Day <laughs> and that was when she got her transplant, but she just, she taught us that the show must go on.
2: Mm-hmm. And that, in many ways, that is what got you past your own anxiety. That,
0: yeah. I, definitely and my husband he has a great sense of humor my mom and my husband got along so well and I'm such a serious person and yet um I realized I, I think not connected with the transplant but being married to my husband is so fun that I realized <laughs> that I could be fun too so mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it's just um it's a joy to have a family that not only has a sense of humor but has that ironclad fate that got us through because the two of them together make a great
2: combination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you um, tell us the bike story? That's probably one of my, my favorite moments in there, of the going to get the new bike. Oh, <laughs>
0: Well, we were living in Minnesota at the time, and they have wonderful tr- bike trails. And my husband wanted me to get a new bike, and I did not want a new bike. I had a bike, a perfectly good bike, and I don't need a new bike. And, you know, just why do I want a new bike? Well, in um, we were waiting for the results of our genetic test at the time, uh, my sister and I, because they were so concerned to be sure i didn't have polycystic kidney disease the testing and so i was waiting for the results and i was a crabby nervous wreck and he takes me to go buy a bike we went out to lunch and he said to me after lunch we're going to stop and look at a a bike that i had on have on hold for you and i was like we don't need a new bike i don't need one well we went into the store and as soon as um he went in ahead of me and then I followed him in because the phone rang and it was my sister telling me the genetic test results were in, but she didn't know what they were. And then I went into the store and my they wheeled out this bike and I burst out crying. And the guy looked at us like we were crazy because here I am buying a new bicycle and I'm crying like a two-year-old. And my husband kept patting me on the back saying, they're there now, you just have to buy a new bike today. You don't have to give anybody a kidney today. <laughs> the poor store clerk ran in the back room. He looked at he he just wanted to get up far away from us
2: and probably hid for a really long time
0: <laughs> yes, and he couldn't understand kidneys and bicycles. they just didn't go together. I don't mm-hmm. think
2: he thought yeah, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about being an organ donor. How do you do that? What does that mean, really? Well,
0: it means that you... How do you do it? It, I don't ever promote anyone being a living donor. That's a very personal decision, although I have to tell you that a woman read my book in Wisconsin and told me that she knew she was supposed to be a living donor and she became a living donor, and I was blown away by that. I always tell people, but if you... would. Sign up to be an organ donor. You can go to DonateLife.net or uh, the UNOS website, United Network of Organ Sharing, uh, UNOS.org. It's a great place to find information about organ donation. And DonateLife.net, you can go to sign up. PKDCure.org is a great site. for um, It's the PKD Foundation who does the most research in PKD. Mm-hmm. Um, kidney org is the national kidney Foundation
2: mm-hmm. okay and it's it's really not a difficult
0: thing to no you just sign click up. the box and sign it up Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> and hopefully you'll live a long life and never need to be an organ donor but I always um, volunteer at the um for for organ donation at some of the health fairs and for the organ procurement organizations and I've heard all every question you could ask and every excuse and they're common. People are afraid. They're afraid a doctor won't save their life and um, I always reassure them that it's a separate team of doctors and the doctor taking care of you has taken an oath to save your life. Um, Most of the major religions um, promote organ donation and and approve of it. That's another question. My funniest one was a woman who said she was never going to be an organ donor ever, ever, and I asked her, why? Would she mind telling me why? And she said, well, certainly, because I'm never going to die.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I said, tell me how that works out.
2: I, I also like the, um, the story in your book about uh, right uh, right after the surgery was actually scheduled, you got a notice for jury duty.
0: Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> the, 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 when I called to get a postponement, the, they asked why, and I told them why, and they even asked what kind of surgery, and she didn't believe me. She, mm-hmm. she said, I've heard it all. I've heard everything now just to get out of jury duty, and I said No. It's the truth, <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <laughs> and it took quite a while for her to be convinced of that.
0: Oh, I had to. I had to um, tell her the date, the hospital, and who, who was the recipient, and then she finally believed me, and she, her whole attitude changed. And that was another part of what I didn't like was when people would act like I was a great hero when I, I wondered in
2: my heart if I was really going to go through with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, cause you, um, you really, you knew all along, you would do it. And yet, uh, your anxiety, just continued to question whether you would.
0: I, I really remember walking across the street from the hotel to the hospital, and there was a group of joggers going by. And I truly wanted to Just join them. Just hop right in their group of runners and run away from that hospital. I I think right up to the last moment, I wondered if I would, if I would truly be able to do it. But um, I knew that I had to do it. I I knew that I was being asked to do something, and I I mean that's probably our Catholic religion in me. and i truly believe that that i was being ma- not tested but well i guess in a way tested yes you're right i i almost i knew i had to do it
2: but i'll tell you i didn't know if i'd really do it mm-hmm. but you know your your story uh, yeah it's it's about your family's you know genetic disease it's about the the courage and the strength of your family and yours but you your story itself is so much broader because anyone facing a challenge that they think they're not going to be able to do could draw from your experience I I think you're absolutely right we're all
0: all of us every day have to face our fears and some of us are a little more nervous than others and I love that you said that because it it, even though the book is about pkd it's really about life and life is hard (laughs) life Uh is challenging and i am a different person now because of being a donor and because i faced my my greatest fear than i would be if i hadn't done what i did and i think it's um what it's not just Families with PKD. This it's every single person. You're absolutely
2: right. Mm-hmm. And it it's in your experience, in the way that you um, so honestly wrote this book, you didn't cover up the struggle that you had on the inside. And I think that's what makes this book so compelling and so important for everyone to read, um, whether you know, whether they have something like a genetic disorder in their family or not, it, just the experience, the human experience of going inside, fighting through all of the resistance, finding that core of strength, and knowing that you're going to use that core of strength even as you're resistant, even as you're anxious even as you're, and you describe it as the evil voice, even as the evil voice part of you says, oh, no, you're not.
0: (laughs) Well, I really put the manuscript in a a drawer and and thought, there's no, first of all, I had started this to give to my nieces and thinking that my cousin's children and my nieces would benefit from this someday and so that they would never forget. And then I have, I'm a writer, so I had, my writers group kept saying we're learning so much we love this we think you should publish it i put it in the drawer and closed the drawer for almost a year because i thought i can't publish this i i i am a nothing but a whining fool in this book <laughs> and there's a scene of me on the toilet i kept thinking i cannot publish something like this and so many people said to me this will help others and then i realized um The the light bulb moment was when I thought about the typewriter that Sister Mike had given me just before she died of PKD. And she was only 45 years old, and she gave me, and I I think of her so often, and that typewriter, I thought, oh, there's a message in that.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes, there is took me a while she, yeah she was definitely still speaking to you here uh-huh. this is what you're supposed to do yeah.
0: that's i really believe she was Hmm.
2: well uh, again the book is called the reluctant donor it's available through your website which is the reluctant right yes so i get that right yeah. um also on uh, amazon it's um And it's certainly very worthwhile for anyone to read. And, you know, I can understand. When you said there was a woman in Wisconsin who decided to be a living donor, I can see how that could have happened in reading your book. I can see how it would be very easy to rethink what what we've been called to do and are we doing it. So you know what you've done in this book is to really, really um, be a, a catalyst for people to consider their lives. And uh, Suzanne, I want to thank you so much for being on the show um, oh, because it's been that is my pleasure. And that is what this show is about: is making a difference, and you truly have. I am so grateful for the opportunity. Okay. Well, now for our listeners, this is your moment. Make a difference today. How can you make the world a better place? Go out there. Make it a great day. You truly deserve it.
1: Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation.